0: Hello my wonderful, beautiful friends! Guys, welcome back to our slash Entitled People! Where people think they can do whatever they want, whenever they want, because in their minds, they're more deserving than you are. And in this episode, you'll hear how a snobby woman thinks she can do whatever she wants on a plane because she's super rich. I hope you enjoy the stories today, don't shake your heads too hard, subscribe if you haven't, and we're diving in guys. Okay, so, Dad here. I'm an old fart who loves his daughter to pieces but I'm struggling to see eye to eye with my teenager and my wife on this one. So we've always been a meat eating family and we live in the rural midwest and bacon for breakfast is pretty much a given. So this year my 14 year old daughter decided to go vegan. I jumped on her support team with enthusiasm. We learned how to substitute ingredients, cook new things, try new things, and I adjusted our budget to include more expensive vegan substitutes for her. Now, none of this has been a problem until recently. So, one day, she sees me cooking bacon in a pan, and I rinsed it out to load into the dishwasher. She then explodes in anger and said that that was her pan for vegan food. At this, I was completely floored and said, Kiddo. This here is a family pan. It's older than you. It's not your pan. She then asked me to purchase her a pan so she can solely use for vegan food. Now, I didn't want her to feel weird about food, so I said sure and I ordered her a few colored ones that are only for her. The reason they're colored is so it helps me remember that I'm not to touch them unless I'm cooking vegan. Now, that wasn't good enough. Apparently, the dishwasher is contaminated with animal products and the fridge has bacon fingers on it because I eat bacon and then I touch the fridge. Now, I don't mean I literally touch the fridge with greasy bacon hands because I wash my hands, but it's enough that it upsets my daughter. My daughter has since then asked me and her mom to completely stop eating meat at home because it upsets her. Frankly, I'm on team heck no, but her mom is much more flexible and she strongly wants me to consider taking our daughter up on the request. My wife's reasoning is that both of our parents live close, so we can eat meat products there, and that she doesn't want our daughter to feel uncomfortable in the kitchen. My daughter says she's fine with cheese and butter in the fridge, but it's specifically meat products that make her sick. Now, I'm sorry, but I feel she needs to adapt and live side by side, because I'm not going to stop eating bacon in my own house. What do you think? Okay, so first off, I want to say that I agree with many others in the comments who say that OP needs to nip this entitled behavior in the bud ASAP. Guys, I think it's important to honor and encourage her dietary choices. And as a parent, OP should also remind her that it's not the world's job to adjust to her lifestyle. She needs to learn to be respectful of everybody's dietary choices as well. Like at the end of the day, just do your own thing, don't bug others, And we'll all make it. We'll all make it on this crazy planet that's just flying through the solar system. Okay, so speaking of not bugging others, this next story is pretty crazy, guys. Okay, so before we get into it though, I just want to say that the stories I read are just stories, okay? It's not meant to poke fun at anybody's personal beliefs. I'm not attacking anybody, I'm not taking shots at anybody. I'm just sharing the ridiculous things that some people say, okay? Okay, so I'm a geologist. And let me preface one thing that I hate most as a geology major, and that's flat earthers. These people I tend to ignore, until they start insulting my field of study. Another thing I can't stand is zealot nutjobs, who dismiss science. This Karen today happened to be both. So this story takes place earlier today, while my friend and I are at Applebee's catching up and talking about our fields. First, we discuss what we're doing in our lives. The usual, what's been happening, how's work, any luck finding love, etc, etc. We then discuss his field and what he wants to do. My friend goes into the deep end about DNA. Of course, when we shift gears talking about my field, I was talking about applications of isotopes in geological dating. In the middle of our conversation, a Karen overhears us. She huffs and she joins in. The woman was dressed in a very modest outfit and she had a large cross around her neck. Now, in my mind, I thought, ugh, here we go. Probably gonna assume we're gay. Now, of course, that wasn't the issue, surprisingly. Now, the Karen starts off calm at first, saying, So, why are you feeding this establishment with falsehoods? Now, at this, I'm confused and said, What do you mean? She says, What you're discussing. Nothing can be older than the last 2,000 years. I want to let you know that spreading falsehoods is a sin. In the name of our Lord. At this, my friend is trying not to laugh, and she says, Do you both realize that this is no laughing matter? I then say to her, Why do you dismiss scientific progress that has been peer-reviewed to death? At this, the Karen says, How can you believe in things that are driven from lies? Everything you claim to be true is based off things you can't see. Now at this, my buddy begins laughing his butt off as he knew what my next response would be. And I said to her, So how can you believe in a god that you can't see? And this sets her off. It gets her pissed. And she says, how dare you insult my religion. I told her, I'm just using your own logic against you. I bet you're one of those people who believe that the earth is flat. At this, she says, you brat. I bet you have a falsehood to also support that lie. I told her, International Space Station. You go high enough, you'll see the curve of the earth. At this, the woman shouts, lies. You will never get into heaven. Now by this point, what I assumed was her child came up to us. Like mother, he was also wearing a cross. However, he was in a sweater vest, I would say about 7 years old. The kid says, Mommy, you're not gonna come back to eat with me and daddy? She says, Yes honey, but mommy needs to do one more thing and I'll be right back. The woman then gets down on her knees and puts her cross to her lips and says, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive these sinners. They spread falsehoods and I wish their souls to be saved. Please bring your spirit upon them and save them from the devil. So after that, she got up and went back to her table. The odd thing is, her kid didn't follow. However, he did surprise us. He says, hey, so please don't be upset with my mom. She can be a little bit weird. I'm sorry. The kid then follows after his mom. After that, I give the what just happened remark to my buddy. Now, to avoid other conflict with her, we just talked about simple things in life. Guys, I don't even know what to say to this, so I'm just going to leave this comment right here. This person says, I bet her brain is flat. So in the mid-1980s, I was a furloughed airline pilot. And like most of my furloughed brethren, I went off in mad search for a flying job until business picked up for our employer, and we got called back. As luck would have it, I found a gig as a captain on a Dassault Falcon 50EX, operated by an aircraft charter company. The Falcon 50 is a mid-sized, three-engine business jet, and a truly pleasant airplane to fly. I had been previously qualified on it, so I made a nice fit for the charter operator. Now, people who spend $5,000 or so per hour to charter a mid-sized jet are by definition prone to a sense of entitlement. It came to pass one day that we were to pick up an ultra-rich woman and her 10-year-old at Denver Stapleton and take them to Orlando, Disney World. I was on the ramp at the appointed time, aircraft cleaned, fueled, and catered. The first officer and I have reviewed the weather package and confirmed that our flight plan has been correctly entered, and we're waiting peacefully in the cockpit, with the door closed. The passenger arrives and is greeted by the flight attendant. When the cabin door is closed and locked, we'll start the engines and wait for the flight attendant to let us know that the safety briefing has been given. This happens, we taxi out and depart. No muss, no fuss. Now, we're climbing through about 25,000 feet, and the flight attendant calls the cockpit and says, hey, John, um, the lady wants to visit the cockpit with her son. I tell her, now, you know we can't do that. Company rules plus FAA rules. Ah, well. Silence resumes and the climb continues. About 10 minutes later and we're level at our cruising altitude and the call light comes on. The attendant says, Mrs. Rich Lady Karen demands that you come back here and talk to her. I tell her, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna do that. Now, not that I think it's going to help, but at this point, I turn the fastened seatbelt sign back on and says, Folks, this is the captain. I've turned on the fastened seatbelt sign. We are expecting some moderate turbulence along the routes, so please return to your seats at this time. Okay, so I lied. But not 10 minutes later, there's pounding on the cockpit door. At this point, I call for the flight attendant and no answer. And now I'm getting concerned. I can hear the woman yelling, but I can't make out what she's saying. I'm debating on what to do when the cockpit door comes off its track and it's forced open. I can see the Karen standing there, and she says ever so brightly, There. That's so much better. Now we can have a nice conversation, can't we? So, uh, why did you ignore the flight attendant when she summoned you to talk to me? I think you need to be much more cooperative, considering I paid so much money to ride on this thing. At this point, the woman notices that there's a sideways facing seat just behind the co pilot seat, called the jump seat. And she continues on and says, My son wants to fly the airplane and I'm going to sit on this nice seat and I'm going to watch and take some pictures for his scrapbook. Now have the guy in the right seat leave the cockpit so my son can sit in that seat and fly the airplane. At this point, my first officer rolls the ATC transponder code to 7500. He then hits the ident button to let the air traffic control know that we're being unlawfully interfered with. Karen then threatens us that there's going to be consequences if we don't comply with her wishes, and then she says darkly, Your flight attendant knows about consequences. At this point, we hear a resounding noise, and we discovered that our flight attendant has smacked the woman in the head with a coffee carafe. Everything from here on is pretty anticlimactic. We restrained her using zip ties, diverted to St. Louis, and had her arrested. Throughout all this, the kid had apparently remained in his seat reading a book. As he was leaving the aircraft, he said goodbye to the flight attendant, and then he said, I didn't want to go to Disney World anyway. So yeah, just another glorious day in the pointy end. The flight attendant ended up with a black eye and a facial laceration that resulted from trying to keep the woman away from the cockpit. My friends, ultra rich entitled people never ever cease to amaze me. They literally think they can do whatever they want, whenever they want, because they've paid and they have money. So for those that don't know, when the first officer dialed the code 7500, that was to signal air traffic control of a hijacking, which is absolutely insane, and I wonder if she got any jail time for that. Like, I can't see body checking open a pilot's door, and then forcing the pilots out of their seats, so her son can fly the plane to be a light slap on the wrist. So this story happened to me a few years ago, and I just remembered it. I was working at a restaurant waiting tables in a very affluent area on the Jersey Shore. We had our fair share of entitled people who were under the impression that if you throw enough money around, you can do whatever you want and treat people however you want. And when your income depends on their tips, you kind of just have to deal with it. The restaurant has an outdoor dining and bar area that overlook the ocean with an amazing view. During the summer, this was pretty much where everybody wanted to sit, rather than the indoor dining area. Now, for anyone who works someplace with outdoor dining, you know the one monkey wrench that can ruin a very profitable dinner shift, the weather. No matter how accurate the forecast says it's gonna be, you can never know for sure. For the most part, we've never had an issue, because if it started to abruptly rain, there would usually be more than enough room inside for all the people who were sitting outside to move in. It's usually a mess to keep track of which table moved where, but we always handled it without an issue. Until that one day. We had a large party booked one day in our indoor area that took up more than half of our tables. A 50th birthday, I believe. So the indoor capacity was limited. And even on top of the party, there were some customers who were weary about the weather, so they decided to sit inside also. And then more and more people started sitting outside. My manager did a quick assessment, and he realized that if it started to rain, we would barely have enough room inside to accommodate everybody who was sitting outside. He told us we had to stop seating the outdoor area, and start recommending our outdoor tables to move inside, because of the weather, just to be on the safe side. And of course everybody was okay with it, except I had a table of nine, who seemed fairly middle-aged and very wealthy. Each end of the table seemed to be in their own conversations, not paying attention to the other. Upon hearing about the incoming rain, I go to the women whom I thought was in charge. She had the fakest tan of them all, and I tell her, uh, let's call her Karen, ma'am, I'm really sorry, but because of the weather coming in and the limited seating inside, I'm gonna have to move you folks inside so you don't get caught in the rain. Now this Karen is so entrenched in her conversation that she doesn't even register that I, a lowly waiter, was talking to her. So I try again and said, ma'am, I'm so sorry for interrupting, but... At this point, she cuts me off exasperated and says, What? What are you saying? I begin again and said, Ma'am, I'm so sorry, but because of the weather coming in and the insides filling up, we need you to move inside. We have a table ready for you. I can move all your drinks and everything for you. The Karen then snaps back with, The only reason we came here was to sit outside. We will deal with the weather. At this point, I realized that she doesn't grasp what I'm saying, so I try again and said, Ma'am, just in case the... Now, the woman then goes from 0 to 100, and she yells, We will effing deal with it. She yelled so loudly that the people on the other half of her table heard. They didn't hear our prior exchange, but they only heard her outburst, and they went back to their conversation, assuming this must be normal behavior for her. At this, I think, well, she wants to deal with it on her own? You got it. So I begin to take their order. Filet mignons, a few lobster tails, all the expensive stuff. I then put the order in and I look back at all the other tables that had moved inside because they were rational human beings. And my table of nine entitled jerks were the only ones out there. I then hear the leathery looking Karen say to the rest of the table, Wow, we have the entire patio to ourselves? What luxury. After a while, I looked inside and saw that their table that I held for them was being taken by another party that had just walked in. And just as the last butt hit the seat, I felt the best feeling I could possibly have felt at that moment. A glorious raindrop tapped me on the top of my head. Oh, sweet glory. Within seconds, it went from beautiful blue skies to torrential downpour. Everybody grabbed their drinks and ran inside. So after they shook themselves dry, they looked around and realized that there was nowhere for them to sit. Most of them looked dumbfounded, like a child lost in a supermarket. Karen makes a beeline straight to me and screams, Hey! we need a table. At this I replied, I'm sorry ma'am, but we're fully seated, and on wait for indoor seating. The Karen then screams at me saying, well what are we supposed to do now? Now to that, I said, ma'am, as you said you would, you said that you would effing deal with it. Now I did air quote the effing deal with it part to really emphasize that that was really her response. And just as I said that, everybody else at the table realized that that was our interaction earlier, and Karen had dug their graves. Now I do feel bad for most of them because if they had known the circumstances, they would have probably convinced Karen to move inside. But after she raised her voice and cursed at me, all bets were off. And as serendipity would have it, at that very moment, their food came out and we handed it to them. There they were, nine people in damp clothes, holding a Cosmo in one hand, a filet mignon in the other, with nowhere to sit and eat. The rest of her party convinced her to just get some boxes for the food and pay their check and leave. As I hand Karen the check, she smugly says, Well, this will be reflected in your tip. To which I replied, Ma'am, we implement a 20% tip on parties of 8 or more. It's our policy, and it's clearly stated in the menu. She then paid and left with their boxed up food, leaving behind their half full drinks. Best $60 I've ever made. Guys, I love it when Karens get exactly what they deserve. If only she had listened to OP, right? And that 20% mandatory tip, oh boy, that was the cherry on top of this oh so wonderful story. I went to high school in a small southeastern US town. During my junior year, 11th grade, I had a US history teacher who always acted like she was better than everybody else. She was the type that would always say things semi-jokingly about students, which she thought was funny, but it came off pretty mean and hurtful. Unfortunately, she was really popular with the parents and the administration because, to be fair, she was a good teacher, and her students did well year after year. She got away with insulting whomever she wanted to insult. Also, she was the type of person who bragged about being married to a professor. So at the time, I was dating a guy who was also a junior who happened to be the friendly neighborhood school drug dealer. Now this was the 80s, so pot and mushrooms were the go-to recreation. Nothing too hard, and looking back, I think it was a far more innocent time. Our school was a notorious party school, and it sat adjacent to the university dorms. Now, the university was also a notorious party school as well, so the region was a party place. Most parents took it in stride, because many of them were university employees or local business owners. Our teachers were pretty cool too, for the most part. Many of them went to the same university, so they knew the town and the local vibe. However, this teacher liked to talk crap about the party type kids, saying that they would never amount to anything, they would end up in jail, die of overdose, etc, etc. This woman was always picking on us, saying that we were the bad eggs and losers. So one day, grocery shopping with my mom, we saw her in the parking lot, and she came over to speak to us. She started off by saying that I was doing poorly in her class, which I wasn't, I had an A at the time, and that my grades were declining because I was dating, quote, that boy. She then proceeds to tell my mom that she was raising a junkie and that I would never amount to anything. My mom shot something equally snarky back. I can't remember exactly what, but she came to my defense swiftly. And my teacher scurried off with a shocked look as my mom embarrassed her pretty severely. My parents were the type of parents that were pretty laid back, so they knew I was not doing any worse than what they did in college. The rest of the school year was pretty uncomfortable to say the least. I dreaded going to her class. She seemed to make my life miserable at every chance, and now worked in insults about my mom too. I was really hurt, and never forgot how mean she was. I did graduate the next year, I went to college, and worked for many years in the government, and then went back to school and got my PhD. I then became a professor at the university in my high school town. I never ended up being a junkie or whatever she said. So I'm riding the elevator to my office one morning, and guess who gets on with me? Yup. She was going to visit her husband who was a professor in another department in the same building. Now, I wasn't gonna say a thing. I was just standing there biting my tongue, but she recognized me. She couldn't remember my name, so I reintroduced myself, and she exclaims, Oh, it's you. I can't believe it's you. How are you? At this, I gave a polite but cool response, and she says in her same snarky tone, What are you doing here at this school? At this, I looked her dead in the eye and said, I'm going to my office. She says, Your office? (laughs) Aren't you a funny one? Now with this, I didn't say anything, but when I got off the elevator, I turned around, pointed down the hall to my office, and said, Down the hall on the left, that department, if you want to drop by. Ask for Dr. OP. I then smiled the fakest smile at her, flipped her off, and said, Good to see you. Returning the snarky attitude. I think her knowing that I was a professor was enough to make me feel gratified. Guys, the only thing that would have made the story so much sweeter is if Opie somehow worked her way up to be the husband's boss. And that, my friends, brings us to another end of our slash entitled people. Guys, I hope you enjoyed today's crazy stories. If you did, hit that thumbs up. And if you missed yesterday's episode on the channel, a snobby Karen gets embarrassed by an old lady. Check it out if you haven't. And myself and Steva will see you guys in the next one. We love you.